the after hours lounge in the back room of the best cigar lounge oh. east of just west. Hey. This very location is the Cigar Hacks. Better known as a bunch of hacks talking cigars, etc. Where are we, Ricky? Hey, so tonight we're in uh, Hooksett, New Hampshire at the Twins location. And our dear friend, Pastor Padrone, has Hello. given us permission to have the show up here. We have some very special guests. Okay, so our first hack, of course, is Nurse Rick. This town needs an enema. Yes, there you go. This town needs an enema. Hey, enema boy is here up in Twins. Lots of lubricant. <laughs> Next we have Pathogen Page. Very excited to be here tonight, and first time at Twins. It's not in my neck of the woods, and haven't been here before. Really excited to see Dan again. Uh, back from, I remember back from the Seabrook uh, Two Guys days, he uh, helped me out, picked everything perfect for me, and again tonight, he just picked me out some sticks that I can't wait to try. So Much better than Jim. Much better than Jim. <laughs> Mr. Bo Jimbles. When, when he says Jim, he's talking about Mr. Bo Jimbles. Yeah. listens to this. Uh-huh. <laughs> and the next seat, we got the door-to-door door salesman. Baby, ladies in my ears and in my eyes. That's it. My first time here, too. So Thanks. Thanks. Welcome to Twins. We're glad you're here. Yeah. Okay, Reverend Harvey. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Ah, well, good evening, everybody. We've got a real good show for you tonight. Don't touch that dial. Get you a nice uh, adult drink, Mountain Dew, or whatever you like to drink. Uh, Gap Dew. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Does anyone know what dials are anymore? No. <laughs> Never heard of it. Right. Uh, don't touch the dial, Gamber. We'll get you a point. We have Pipe Club himself, Pastor Padron. All right, Stewie. What's the first rule of Fight Club? G-string underwear. No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, sort of. Sort of Pipe Club. But the Dark Piper, the Darth Piper, Darth Darth Piper, and uh, Pastor Padrone, I'm here. Beautiful thing. Ricky, you want to do our special guest? Okay, so we have somebody that we've been trying to get on our show for well over a year. Um, We've had his lovely wife time and time again, but... Uh, once. <laughs> yes. But we, once. But, but the silver fox. Just what I was going to say. What, what sort of phrase is that? You've yeah, had my wife many <laughs> times. I don't, even like, going well. I don't even like where this is yeah. heading. First and last time. This is the reason the why I never come on this yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly. You blew it, Rick. So, subsequently, we have Steve Soccer in the house. <laughs> That's me. Steve Soccer. <laughs> That's great. Okay, so we have we actually have some a drop for you. Sitting right there, smoking cigars. They call him Sasquatch. <laughs> oh my! That's actually a mashup of two Sasquatch songs. I didn't know there was one. I just left two to match. I can't tell you how many I went through yeah. to find that. Okay, and then we have right here his lovely wife, Cindy Saka. Cindy. Miss her, kiss her, love her. Fat girl is. Okay. Uh, 
Okay. I like that. That's good. <laughs> okay. Is that everybody? That is everybody. And then we have some people in the audience. Go ahead, Don. They're sitting there. I, I'm We're sorry. Just sitting there. I am, I am terrible have, with names. We have Casey over Casey. 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 We have Casey who doesn't Casey. want to say anything. Go ahead, Casey. Say something. Her mic is turned off. She's, we're going to turn it on. Okay, say hello. Hello. Okay, good. Hi, Casey. In the show. And the gentleman in the back? Max. Hi, Max. Hey, Welcome Max. to the Hacks. And again, if this sounds, you know, a little ridiculous or out of place, it's okay. We're That's just a bunch of hacks. Nice. Okay, this, this is your... Humble announcer, producer, cigar hack, Dave. To the man! The man! The legend! I need a new drop. Okay, our segments include... Penny Lane. Uh, Penny Lane? No, that's his. Uh, Hidden Herb Flying Cigar Review, except we're smoking Dunbarton Assortment tonight. This is outrageous. This is all good stuff. Uh, Then we have uh, current events in the cigar world. We have that whole list of... Places going, things going on at all those uh, shops, and then we have uh, the, yes, the, the, yes. The, what is yes. it? What's next? What's next? Local spotlight. So oh, the local spotlight right for the lounge Prince. review. We're here to you're going to review us. Book set. Yep. I'm glad and I watched it. And then we got the, the conspiracy yeah. corner. Oh, controversy corner. Yeah. I'm sorry, we changed the Wait. name. Uh, controversy yeah. corner where we expose the ugly underbelly of possible truth, along with hidden reveal, hidden reef recap. Find us all over the internet. Usual places: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, our website, cigarhead.com. I wondered if the damn music was. Gonna oh God! <laughs> I tell you, the intros just keep getting longer. And we just spent well, 12 minutes on the intro. Right? <laughs> You've got you like 12 people on the show. show. You are correct. He's keeping track. Hey. That's not a good sign. You know what? We're just a bunch of hacks. <laughs> not a well. good sign. Steve, I'll be available for pastoral counseling after the show. Usually when there's only four of us, it goes really quick. But <laughs> we have double the, double the trouble. However, unlike all those other podcasts, we have limos, we have boats, we have toys. We have toys. Yeah. And we're going to do something that no other cigar show, I guarantee you, has ever done for oh, okay. you. Okay, here we go. We're going to smoke your cigars. Get an <laughs> Besides that. Get an yeah, that's never happened. Yeah. And so let's get Free lit animals. up here. So we're all smoking different things. We have chubby unicorns. Chubby unicorns. This is delicious. Yeah, it's fantastic. Firecracker. This is delicious. Yes. Firecracker. firecracker. I got, I got a, the unicorn. I got a popetta. Unicorn. unicorn. Popetta's awesome. Brulee. 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 So this is the DTT assortment. So we'll all have different commentary, I'm sure. You're not smoking so, a cigar? No. No? Do you smoke cigars? No. Not yet. Uh, I just started. Good for you. <laughs> so you just became uh, able to? <laughs> you just became <laughs> able to. Yeah. <laughs> just turned 21. Just turned 21. <laughs> uh-huh. I just haven't been... In the industry at all, and have never smoked cigars until mm-hmm. I started working for these guys. Mm-hmm. And for somebody who's not saying anything, yeah, we're, welcome. We're already on twice. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens every time. Yeah, mm. it's a beautiful thing. It is a good thing. <laughs> okay, Ricky, why don't you do the troops before we get? All right. So, just a here. special shout out to our troops fighting a good fight here in this country and abroad. Thank you. We honor you. We respect you, Harvey. Thank you for your 24 years in the military. Welcome to to Chappie. Good luck to you, sir. I know you're going to be headed out back into the Army. Uh, so God bless you. To our, to our frontline workers, to our nurses, our policemen, our firemen, and everybody fighting the good fight, our National Guard who are helping to get everybody vaccinated. So just uh, be safe out there, folks, and uh, God bless you. Thank you. And we also have the podcast juice let's just get this stuff out of the way here so 
We, every show we drink the podcast juice here. We got the hammer and sickle vodka with the pineapple juice and <laughs> splash of seltzer. That's very good. You've got it yeah. over there. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. It's very yeah. good. Refresh. It's delicious. Mm. <laughs> if you'd like one, I'll make you one right now. Mm. What kind of podcast juice do you have over there? Uh, it's called ice water. It's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Yeah. Works one is great. How you doing tonight? I'm good. I'm just waiting to see where the hell this is heading. It's what time? Where are we at in time? Where are we at in yeah. time? We're we're we are currently marking at 7.31, but this isn't a live show, right? This is no, 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 no. Everything's edited. It's Everything's edited. It's all recorded and edited, so you can say whatever you want. And we okay, can it out. <laughs> so when he starts to swear... It doesn't it's, matter. It's, it's going to right. uh, It's going to be a little... I had a, I had a terrible <laughs> slip today. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, yeah that slip. Yeah. yeah I, I called someone the psycho bitch. Uh-oh. Which probably wasn't appropriate. It was accurate, but it wasn't appropriate. Not when you're talking <laughs> to the bank. Yeah. Oh, no. I thought yeah. we were talking about Brian. <laughs> yeah. well, it's, it, it, it's, better, it's better that she know the truth than have to put on a show. <laughs> we don't need any more details. Uh-oh. <laughs> okay, so it. After the DPPC investigates uh, Mr. Saka for picking on a developmentally disabled uh, person with a psych disorder, we'll visit you in Concord. <laughs> they, they make beautiful so wooden things up there. They do. <laughs> yeah. So um, last time we had Cindy and Yvonne on, we yes, the ladies episode. Do you remember anything yep. about that? <laughs> We, we laughed and giggled we, an oh, awful lot. An awful lot, yes. We got <laughs> yeah. into, we were we were smoking the hoodoo. Yes. Of course, the Brooklyn chick was with us there. Yep. She said, well, it's a, it's a horn of a dead unicorn. have to have some glitter come out when you take yep. it out of the package because it's a unicorn. Dead. They turn it into black glitter. Uni- black, black glitter, right? Black that would work. work. Yeah, right. that would work. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Just put some tobacco dust in and there. Then, uh-huh. That would work. And then you remember the stumpy comment. Because. So it was cut, a unicorn oh, was right. cut off, so it, yeah. it was Stumpy, and now it's Stumpy the Glitterless Unicorn. Aha! <laughs> <laughs> There's a name for you. <laughs> well, let's Stump- see, what's that Stumpy acronym come out to be? S-T-G-L-U. Sticky glue. Sticky glue. Yeah, you guys stick to being hacks. Let me do the branding. There you go. I think Ricky has some questions about that. For you. Actually, yeah. I, I, I said, you know, it would be Go great ahead. to have a cigar called the hack. Go but then again, fire away. What, my questions? Yeah. Some, well, just, I we'll don't do want to get. A, we'll just do kind of a lightning round thing right here. Go oh, boy. Question. How do you come up with these brand names? Um, normally, they have some sort of personal reference. Yeah. You know, some sort of. Uh, I, I try uh, two things I always think about. One, look, this is going to get really in the weeds here. But first off. I like the brand to have some sort of the brand name to have some sort of tie to the brand. In other words, I don't want to just have what I think is a good name and a good cigar and put the two together. I want the name in some way to reflect what the product is. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing. There has to be a connection. The second thing is I, you know, you're, look, we're in a business where there's eight million names every year. So it's very hard to come up with a name right. that's distinctive or sticks out. Mm-hmm. So much of it is done this and lost that and blah, blah, blah. Look, I'm guilty of it too. I mean, I think one of my worst brand names is Todos Las Dias. It's kind of a weaker name. Um, you know. So I try to come up with something that I think there might be a chance that a consumer could A, remember, and B, eventually pronounce. Um, <laughs> but I'm finding that to be really challenging because mm-hmm. yeah. – 
the level of stupid people is just really just much higher than I thought it was. Um, it's not getting, and, uh, not getting better. And the other thing, too, is I like for names to have a little bit of a cadence to them. If you think about brands that are overall successful, they tend to have a, a bit of a, you know, Partagas, Romeo and Julieta, Liga Pravada, yeah. so Sobra Mesa, Nikkei I like it to have a, <laughs> yeah, a boom, 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 boom. Yeah, you right. know, where one syllable tends to be an emphasis syllable and the other syllables. And the other thing, too, is I always think about, you know, I don't want the name to be, um, look, when you're making this strange stuff, you know, the esoteric, the chubby unicorns and the horns of a dead unicorn and things like that, you, you can go a little off the reservation, mm-hmm. but when you're trying to make a brand that you're trying to eventually hope to sell to many consumers, you want it to also be something that has a bit of elegance and also a bit of a, a classy touch to it that can potentially withstand the test of time. And there's many great brands on the shelf today, but you ask yourself, would you give a box of X to your boss? Would you buy this box as a gift for your father? You know what I mean? And I don't want to name any particular names because I'll leave that to other people. But mm-hmm. you can look at the shelves and you can see a lot of products on there that even though the name is catchy, it doesn't really make something that you're going to pull out of your humidor for a special occasion or to use as a gift. So there's a lot that goes into coming up with a good name. Yeah, the one that I like that hits the mark for me is Umbagog. Right. Because that's the name of the lake. Yeah, but it's, it's a fishing cigar. Right. It comes in a paper wrapper. I mean, it's just all of that is just spot on. Other, other than the fact that it's mispronounced, Umbegog. <laughs> but I don't. Luckily, there's not enough Abernathy Indians right. around to <laughs> hassle me about the name. Umbegog. Yeah, Umbegog is the proper pronunciation. It means uh-huh. it means shallow water. It describes that body of water. It's about seven thousand acres wow. up clean, on the uh, New Hampshire water. main border near Canada. It's a wilderness right lake up there, yeah. and. Um, you know, and that cigar is very durable, and it's uh, you know it does well in the wind, it does well in the rain, mm-hmm. so it makes a good fishing cigar. My favorite lake to fish is Lake Umbagog, what I've been calling Umbagog for twenty years until right. someone corrected me. <laughs> um, I ran into the one Abernathy Indian that still was kicking around. Like I said, there's a personal tie to that name. Mm-hmm. You know, Mikerita, Mikerita translates loosely. The true translation is my love, right. but it's used more often to mean my mistress. You know, if you know, if my wife is my wife, cigars are my mistress. If a brand I was formerly known for was my wife, then Mike Rita is my mistress, and and so on. There's a lot of personal ties where that name makes sense, and and so on. There, there, there's a story behind every brand name. My yeah. mistress, so Cindy, remember no, the name Kellerman Cohen and Weinstein. <laughs> Will own is that. When we're done with them, he and his I mistress. Think, I think the mistress is the cigars. <laughs> Thank you. Can you uh, can you talk? Like I said, the level of stupid just keeps going up. Is it New Hampshire an alimony state? No. no can you talk a little bit about? You know, I've heard you on a bunch of different shows. Yeah. Can you talk about how did Dumbarton Tobacco and Trust come to be? I mean, no. Let's talk about something. Not uh, <laughs> no, seriously. No, I'm talking about that. It's a very unique name. Well, not really. I mean, it's actually kind of a lazy name because we live in the town of Dunbarton. Correct. Um, so, I mean, it's uh, Dunbarton is one of the early uh, New Hampshire settlements. Um, it's the it's the residency of the Stark family of the famous General John Stark, the hero of Bunker Hill. Right. Uh, the Molly Stark house is there. Uh, actually, our property is on the old Robert Rogers farm 
Robert Rogers was a very famous French Indian fighter during the time. The town was originally named Dumb with an M, Martin, yeah. and it was named after a place in Scotland. But of course, once you came to America and you started calling it Dumbarton, right. it was kind of like, oh, well, all the people, they're dummies over in Dumbarton. Right. So they, right. they changed, they swapped the M out for the N. And again, you know, it's one of those things where it's easier when you name your company your brand. Okay. Okay. It's much easier to get penetration, to get customer awareness. So when you are Rocky Patel, every cigar you make is Rocky Patel. So it makes it very easy for people to learn your product's name. But the downside to that is even though it's easier, when things are going really well, it's great because everything rises up with it. But when something starts to go down, everything goes down together too, even though the cigars might be very, very different. So I've always been a believer in church and state that the company should be A and the brand should be independent islands onto themselves. So that way, if Sober Mesa happens to be doing really, really well, but Mickey Rita is doing really, really bad, Mickey Rita doesn't drag down Sober Mesa sales, right. where if every cigar was Dunbarton XYZ or Steve Saka XYZ, everything goes up together, everything goes down That's together. Right. So it's yeah. kind of that whole basic concept of diversification. Mm -hmm. But it also makes it harder when you're a small company because now you have to market a million different things. You know, it's it's really, really difficult to do it that way. And I, and, I, and I have noticed that a lot of retailers, they just call my cigar Saka cigars, even though that's really not on any but one of the packages. Wow. So who's doing all the marketing now? Is it? No? No, on finance. <laughs> finance. No, finance. Okay. There okay. We, go. we got that. We actually finance. need a finance person, see? <laughs> that's a good Got to count these pennies. We, we know <laughs> a finance a person. Who's <laughs> <laughs> looking for work. And she's a huge smoker. Uh. So you're now. telling Casey she just got she just she's got the job and you're like you're already like well, we know <laughs> you're going to need help he's huge I don't need help <laughs> that's the attitude uh-huh okay there's going to be a lot of editing in this episode <laughs> it's going to be no, fine <laughs> it's going to be fine go we're just right a out. bunch of hacks what it's do we know just go right out just the way it is it's beautiful <laughs> yeah so when yeah. you're making your cigars so you gave out these hand rolled cigars that the U boats they were phenomenal. Just phenomenal. Now, were they the ones with the white bands? Yes. Yes. Okay, those are cigars that I actually wrote. Right, and they burned great. You didn't have to relight them. I was like, holy yeah, but the ones just incredible. The, but the ones that the factory actually makes were people that do that every day. Right. They're significantly better than the ones that I Really? Make. Yeah. So yeah, I, I'm a hack. Your head. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Good for you. Yeah. Look, I, I know how to do it, but look, it's not the same as being the person that rolls... 250 to 350 cigars a day, five days a week, every week of the year. They're far more proficient at it. I'm, I'm a much better critic than I am a torcedor. But there's a big difference. I Word mean, you day. can get a baseball that's signed by, uh, you know, a great pitcher. But if you actually get the ball that that pitcher used, it's huge. It's different. So just having a cigar that you rolled made a difference. Truly did. It's like a weird emotional thing. <laughs> I know. But it did. It did. It did. Like, I, yeah, I know. I know, but it did. Yeah. Feeling, oh, feeling, sure. a, feeling a little uneasy oh, at the yeah. moment. Yeah. It did. Yeah. Could you touch Man. my cigar, please? Yeah. <laughs> so, Man, do, do you get a lot of the sign this? Sign yeah, that, you, you do. You know, and it's, it's kind of a weird thing because, look, I started off initially as a cigar geek, so I did the same thing. Yep. I would have people sign boxes and whatnot. Um, you know, it really started when I was at Drew with Liga Pravada because before that, 
you know, I was with JR and I had been doing a lot of things before that. There was never a product that was kind of directly correlated with me. And I used to feel kind of stupid doing it. And I'd kind of like, nah, you don't want my signature. Nah, you don't want my signature. But then I realized that I was just being a douchebag. I mean, if somebody wants to take a photo with you or ask you to sign something, it's really really an honor is what it is. And for you to kind of poo-poo it is really just being disrespectful. But look, it's hard because I don't view myself the same way other people view me. You know what I mean? I don't have the same... Uh, you know, I hear some of these words that get tossed around, and I think they're a little bit, a little too generous, to be honest with you. You know, I'm a nurse. You always hear, people always come up to me and they say, oh, thank you for everything you do. And I'm thinking, well, what if I give enemas all day? You're still thanking me. It it matters how you touched the lives. Stop. Stop. No, stop. Yeah, let's stop. stop. It, matters, and it, it matters how you touch others. So how many listeners how, do you actually have for this podcast? Over 30,000. You're looking uh, at most of them. Yeah, yeah. it, matters, it matters what they remember. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and you'd be, you would be. Well, let's just stop for hands, a moment. You know? you would if be you were giving me an enema, I would. Remember that. That's not even a question. You would remember the yeah, anima. Remember. You wouldn't remember the person doing it. And, uh, <laughs> that you such ease. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, is it, you know, it's the truth. That when people come up and say. So does anyone ever you know, ask you to sign the little squeeze bladder? Yeah. Believe it or not. So, so believe it or not, I th- you know, in my early years, I used to do that. Then I became people a supervisor. People and people to do it uh, <laughs> you know it's sort of it's sort of like now when you go honor. in the hospital and the anesthesiologist walks in and says we're going to do a b c d and e well no the nurse anesthesiologist is going to do a b c d and e the anesthesiologist is going to stick his head in the door and say are you okay and the uh, nurse is going to say everything's fine and then he's going to bill you fifteen thousand dollars for a service <laughs> and that's <Yeah>. real life <laughs> so. but how, how often is that the case i mean i often find the nurses more competent than the doctors well i'm a nurse <laughs> i'm not going to say anything but I, I am a nurse and uh yeah i mean you go into a surgical suite you'll see one doc there and the nurses are all around the doc will get all the credit to, unless the patient kicks in which case but also the doctor gets the lawsuit too Mm-hmm. They both do. Right. So, so every nurse I know carries the same insurance I carry, which is $1 million, $6 million. The doctor will let his insurance. Wait a insurance. minute, for animas? No, for, for everything <laughs> we do. I do a lot more like, than What can animas. really go wrong here? I mean, <laughs> lots, believe it or not. Uh, <laughs> lots. Uh, it can't be right. fixed with back. a shower and a towel? Wait a minute. <laughs> Let's backtrack here. I'm, I'm really curious now. <laughs> lots can happen. We need a demo. <laughs> I think we got to get back to cigars. So, yeah. I have a question about your blending because yes. I've heard in lots of shows about blending. Mm-hmm. How do you come up with something different when you have? We've talked to a lot of owners and a lot of reps. Well, first you, off, if you're talking to a rep, they're <laughs> clueless, so that's a but waste of your time. How do you come up know. with something different that Fuente isn't doing and Rocky isn't doing? Well, and, it's kind of like saying, how do chefs come up with something different? I mean, we all eat at a million Italian restaurants. That's right. But you have the veal piccata at one place and the veal piccata at another place. And, yeah, they're both veal piccata, but they're not the same, right? Yeah, little so, ingredients. And it's, it's, it's not just the ingredients because they're both working with the same basic ingredients. Yeah. So, sometimes it's how you treat the ingredients and the proportions of the ingredients. And, you know, that has a lot to do with it. And the other thing that I think that 
and a lot of blending that gets lost is a lot of people are just focused on flavor and aroma, but they're not really thinking about how the materials work together because how a cigar is constructed and how it combusts has a dramatic impact on how that cigar ultimately tastes. Mm -hmm. And I think in a lot of cases, there's a lot of cigars on the market that when you smoke them and they're burning even and right, they're fine, but often they don't burn even and they don't burn right. And as a result, you end up with subpar experience because the flavors themselves are not correct because you're not getting all the ingredients simultaneously at the temperature that you should be getting the ingredients. And so for me, that's a big component of trying to figure out whether a blend is ultimately going to end up in a production box is making sure that the mechanics of the cigar are practical in their application. Well, not just a question of, oh, this tastes good, that tastes good, put the two good things together, great. You know, it's a Reese's peanut butter cup. So, and, you know, and the thing is, you know, over time, you know, when I started doing it, you know, just as a hack 30 years ago, it was more like throwing darts at a board. You know, it was kind of, you're just getting lucky. And as time has gone on, you start to learn what materials do what and how they play with the other materials. You know that certain flavor combinations work well together. You know certain materials play well together in the burn and the construction. You end up kind of almost like, honestly, to make a cigar to jam in a box that most people would buy, I can bang that out in like a day. I mean, it's not like really rocket science at this point. But to make something that I think is unique or different or special, that takes a lot of time sometimes. Sometimes I get lucky and it comes to me quicker than other times. I tend to find myself chasing myself into a circle sometimes. But most blends for me, there's like three ways that blends get created. The first and the most popular way they get created is the marketing weenies in the United States say, such and such is really selling well and we don't have something like that. So you guys down there make something to be an equal to that. The other way it happens is you have one particular ingredient that you're interested in using and you want to focus on how to incorporate that ingredient into a blend. The third way is you have a particular genre. Hey, I want to make something creamy and mild. I want to make something spicy and peppery. I want to make something that's medium bodied and complex. So those are like the three basic ways that most cigars end up starting. Either a key ingredient, a desired genre, or the marketing weenies. Regretfully, a lot of cigars are the marketing weenies is where they get started. For me, that's never the case. It's the other two. Um, so it really depends on the blend. Um, in the case of Sin Compromiso, I really want to make use of that Cultivo Tanto crop that, uh, that I, that's grown exclusively for me in, in, in Mexico. In the case of Sobre Mesa Brulee, I wanted to make a creamy, classic, mild to medium style smoke. So the genre was more the goal. And what I do typically is I typically make uh, a series of what I consider base core blends, typically ranging from four to six. And I kind of go just through those really quick and fast. And then I pick the one that I want to focus. And then I just keep tweaking. And I keep basically treating it as a funnel. And I just keep kind of boom, 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 boom until I get to a point that I either think, okay, this isn't all that good. And I just stop and I go back to the beginning or I find myself chasing myself in circles. And if I'm chasing myself in circles, I just put it away. Or eventually I get to a point where, okay, this is right. This is as good as this is going to get. Eventually we'll end up being a product in a box. But I mean, I have literally done probably, I don't know, a thousand blends, maybe more. 
and, it's a lot and, of blends. And when do you Way have, more than a thousand when, when I think about it. And when do you have your wife test it for the yeah. true wisdom? When, when, he's, when he's decided what it's going to be. Yeah. 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 No, nobody has any input on my blends at all. At the factory level, friends. Really? Yeah. Nobody. Nobody. This is the thing. I think that many cigars that are currently on the shelf are good, but they're not great. Yeah. And part of the reason for that is because they tend to focus group everything. And if I make a blend, and I don't know how many people are in this circle, it looks like 500 of you, but there's like, what, eight or nine of us here? Yeah, it's nine, yeah. If we, if we share this cigar, same blend with nine people, you're going to get differing opinions because right. everybody's palate's right. different. Yeah. One person could say, I wish it was stronger. The other person could say, oh, it's too strong. Oh, the pepper's really this way. So that's just the way it works. And what ends up happening is a lot of companies – they try to focus group things, and in the end, what they end up getting is a homogenized product because they're trying to take into consideration everybody's opinions. And where I'm at is basically, I just don't care what your opinion is because you all have an opinion. <laughs> That's yeah. right. And ultimately, yeah. your opinion is correct for you, yeah. Yeah. but you have hundreds of choices in a cigar store to pick what you want to smoke. That's right. So when somebody smokes one of my cigars, they're getting what I like, what my flavor profiles, what what my signature style is. And I think that's one of the things that makes it unique. It tend, if you happen to like one of my cigars, it's often the case that you'll like multiples of my cigars, even though they might be very diverse in flavor and even though they might be very diverse in strength levels. Now, you may have favorites over the others, but it's one of these things where I think having multiple cooks in the kitchen does not necessarily make a better product. I always tell people, Rembrandt, an incredibly talented painter, Picasso, an incredibly talented painter, but having them both paint on the same canvas does not make a better work of art. Rembrandt is Rembrandt, Picasso is Picasso. And the person that prefers Rembrandt prefers it because it's Rembrandt. And the person that prefers Picasso prefers Picasso. So, that's, so, that's, so, so Steve, going right with that, on behalf of the hacks, we want to present you something that we love. It's not an enema bag, is it? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. So it's one of the things I like hope, about your line so. and the way it, it's done is it's all you. Yeah. And it's what you like to smoke. Because yeah. I've heard you say that before, that you make yeah. what you like to smoke. Oh, wow. You don't, so on behalf of the Well, hats, Rick, you might want to put your headset back. Hand me the rod. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, he gave me a fishing rod, folks. Thank yeah. you. This is very so, generous. So you. that's not just a fishing rod. So that's that's from Bass Pro Shops, and yeah. that's one of their. If you look at the spindle, it's something brand new that's on the market. Spindle. And yeah, the reel, that little reel there. <laughs> You're talking to somebody that's allergic to fish but a loves spindle. to fish. Yeah. That's three hundred pound test. Thirty pound test. 30 Excuse pounds. me. Three hundred pound. Three hundred pound. I was watching Tuna Show <laughs> last night. Perfect for so, so the rest of the he's going for the shot. rest of the line is on top. You just take it off. But there's thirty pound test. It's it's green. It, it, you'll notice that the uh, filament there. It's a uh, yeah. It's high vis power pro. Yeah, it's it's the thread stuff. I don't know what they call Maybe it. The recycled, braided. Uh, braid. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Recycled yeah. animal you'll, bags. You'll know more about fishing <laughs> than I do. <laughs> But anyway, oh my God. it's a great rod. <laughs> well, thank you very much. You're welcome. Very kind of hacks. Hacks. Right. It's going to so, work on Umagod. So when you're on the boat, you'll see the little cigar hack sticker in the bottom, oh. on the very bottom. Yes, and I you'll see. You'll that. say, these guys that don't know much about cigars. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I bet you nobody's fish. ever given you a fishing rod. <laughs> you ready for this? Somebody yeah, literally you know. just did. Uh, I assume uh, Scott Johnson just gave me a really nice, uh, yeah. a really nice salmon rod. So yeah, there you go. Never heard yeah. of. Them. Yeah, 
Yeah. Well, thank you very so, much. You're, you're welcome. welcome. Now, what are we supposed to do? Hold this for the next two yeah. hours? Yes, use it in yes. good health. <laughs> it'll, it'll fit in your beautiful boat. Yeah, yeah, careful, you poke your eye out. Yeah. You can there annoy you people. With thank that, you, sir. You can use it to whack people and say stupid stuff. Like a whip. So we have uh, Pastor Padrone here with us. Yes, that's with, true. With the Twins family twins, here. Twins, mm-hmm. twins, twins, and also it's Not Just Blowing Smoke podcast. That's have right. Have you been on Not Just Blowing Smoke with these guys yet? I have been on mm-hmm. just one time, I believe, mm-hmm. right? Just once. Yeah. Should be more. Look, okay. I, you're kind of on it now. Yeah, I guess so. No, no, he's not kind of on yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't count this as is, a half. Well, is, we're, we're a much smaller group. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I actually will be on it. In the very near future, because of something that we're going to be doing with uh, with twins. Okay. Nice. Yeah. That will be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So there's a large podcast family around this area. There's like five podcasts within like a 30 minute drive. It's because and winter sucks. What else do you have yeah, to do? That's right. Basically. Yeah. 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 And so one of the other ones in the area is Maddie Tobacco's Smoking Tobacco. And okay. he's doing a fundraiser thing with the Fuentes and the Newmans there for the Cigar Family Charitable Foundation. So he just mm-hmm. announced that this week. So they're doing something with that to help raise funds for that yeah, charity, sure. which is really cool. I think that's a neat That thing. is cool. So well, you guys can just open your wallet to give me money. I'm, sounds I take <laughs> charitable do, contributions. We all do all the time. <laughs> I mean... We buy a lot of your cigars. <laughs> that's right. That's not we charity. Do. That's patronage. Oh, that's yeah. not confusing. You're not correct. You're not correct. Yes, yes. Well, yeah. the fishing rod was charity. The fishing rod was charity. You are there correct you about that. Mm-hmm. We do this uh, current events thing here, so yeah. however you want to... Uh, yeah, we're right. This work gets good. Uh, okay, folks, we've got 17 tonight. The first one, we're going to start off with Plasto Cigar Company, Plasto, New Hampshire. The Alex Bradley Filthy Hooligans are in just in time for St. Patty's Day. That's coming up. Hamlet of Hamlet Cigars will be at the shop on March 27th, 2 p.m. The annual Hammer and Sickle Masters event, Saturday, April 10th at 12 p.m. Then we go to Two Guys Smoke Shop, Salem, Nashua, and Seabrook, New Hampshire. New to Two Guys, McKillop. Is that how you pronounce it? McKillop. McKillop. McKillop Cigars. Twins Londonderry, Wednesday, March the 17th. The 724 Lounge will be open an hour early from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. for St. Patrick's Day. Uh, Get some... Guinness and Irish whiskey to go with your green cigar. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah! <laughs> then we go to Castro's. Oh, $10 on that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Castro's backroom bed for New Hampshire. A pair of cigar uh, brand events. Foundation cigars Thursday, March the twenty fifth. Southern Draw cigars Thursday, April 9th. Both are at four p.m. Then we go to Cigar Shenanigans, North Conway, New Hampshire. The new walk in. The new walk-in is taking shape. So you've been up to Schnaggins lately? Uh, we're going there on Saturday, actually. Oh, that's right. You're doing the fish, uh, yep. fish yeah. thing on Saturday. Yeah. So this will be airing after that's over, so we're not really okay, then talking we're going, a lot uh, about it. Yeah. Be, it'll hey, be look, it's their job to promote it, not your job to promote it. <laughs> no, well, that's what we <laughs> yeah. do in this okay. section. Yeah. Yep. Uh, then we'll go to O'Shea's National New Hampshire, St. Patty's Day Limited, seating, scale-back event, tasting, special, door prizes, it's an Irish Cigar Bar Pub on March 17th. It will still be a good time. <laughs> you, uh, huh. yeah, you know, Even though we're doing Irish for a day, it'll still be a good time. Yeah. Stop by. 
They'll just be less drunk people to get in a fight with. <laughs> right. But they'll exactly. be enough. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it. <laughs> okay, then we go to uh, the Cloud Lounge. Uh, previously, the Cloud Palace, Salem, New Hampshire. Wednesday night out in Beirut or Beirut or Beirut or Beirut. <laughs> Beirut. Beirut. And throwback Thursday, 7 p.m. Then we go to Havana Cigar, Warwick, Rhode Island, Tequila Tuesdays, Wednesdays and Wine, uh, Tequila Tuesdays, Whiskey and Wine Wednesdays, and Thirsty Thursdays are back. So basically they're drunk all week. Right? Yeah. That's what yeah. I'm getting. Yeah. 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 Uh, then we go to the uh, Bubble Bar Grill and Cigar Lounge, Pawtucket, Rhode Island. The annual corned beef and cabbage dinner special will be on the 17th. Call ahead. This is one of those unusual places that has a restaurant and a cigar bar in the same place. Hmm. Have you been down there? I can't say that I have, no. It's an interesting combination. Yeah. I don't visit places that don't buy my cigars. Oh, they don't carry your stuff? I don't think they do. I don't know. Well, we can fix that. Okay, uh, Churchill's Smoke Shop and Lounge, East Providence, Rhode Island. This week's pairing was the Lunatic... With an old-fashioned and also, I can't pronounce that word. <laughs> Anybody want to take this one? Auction Oceans. Uh, Auction Ocean? That was close enough. <laughs> what she said. Yeah. <laughs> See what I was saying about brand names being pronounced? We're in trouble here. Well, yeah, whatever well, it is, it's triple woods, sweet or scotch. You should have heard Lafrog. Uh, Lafrog. Lafrog last week. Lafrog. Okay, uh, then we go to uh, Matt Cigar Bar slash Riverside Cigars, Jeffersonville, Indiana. The barbecue truck stops by occasionally. So this is, uh, <laughs> this is a place you're familiar with. <laughs> we can't guarantee yeah. anything, but, but they, they might be by. Yeah. When they, they got by. that going for them. Ah, <laughs> uh, but there's always good bourbon in that place. Yeah. Jeff Mateo has a he has a really awesome, awesome bourbon collection. So I actually highly recommend that store. Okay, yeah, I've been there. Uh, once when I was out that way. Well, I was on business out that way, and well, I stopped good. by and checked it out. It was, it was amazing. It was a Monday night, and I went in the lounge, the, and there were 24 people in the, between the cigar shop and the lounge. There were 24 people in there on a Monday night at 10 o'clock. Wow. It was amazing. Okay, nice anyway, uh, then we go to Enfuego, McKinney, Texas. Uh, I'll leave a cigar event on the 25th. And then we go to Enfuego, Rockwall, Texas, Cigars and Coffee, every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Then we go down to the world-famous cigar bar, Fort Myers, Florida, Gulf Coast Town Center, St. Patrick's Day, featuring Alex Bradley Cigars, Wednesday, March the 17th, 11 a.m. to 1.30 a.m. Also looking for bar help. <laughs> I, I helped them. Trust me. I drank half their bar. They're looking for bartenders. And I know three Spanish guys that I drove home from there. Oh, that's a good story, too. Okay, then we go to Cigar Life, Lakeland, Florida. Last week, pig roast looked amazing. Check out their Facebook page. They had 100 people for a pig roast. Pretty wow. Cool. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, and last but not least, we're going to go. Corona Cigar Tampa, Florida is the meat battle. Thursday, March the 18th. 7 to 10 p.m. Featuring the Red Meat Lover's Cigar and a five-course dinner. Uh, tickets on Eventbrite. 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 <laughs> Eventbrite. Yep. Eventbrite. Yeah. I think both places. And that's it. it. Yeah. For the kind of picture. That's it. There's like yeah. six more letters in the alphabet. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So uh, we got the Q. We got the Q, right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's, like, that's my little. <laughs> so on Corona there, it's yeah. the Red Meat Lover's, which is... Sounds familiar. Yeah. Yeah, I make a cigar for uh, for the Red Meat Lovers Club. Um, it's uh, sold exclusively through Smoke In. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and uh, it's been an annual release now. I think we are in, this will be our fourth year that we're mm-hmm. doing it. And yeah. uh, so, so this particular event is a charity event that they're doing. This that's correct. This battle. is there's there's a separation. The red meat lover cigars are not the red meat <laughs> lover. He does separate meat oriented events. That's Evan Darnell. <laughs> yeah, that sounds really wrong too, doesn't it? Yes. Oh, well, yeah. we've been talking about enemas, right? Meat, but, but, he, you know, but he does these events, and they're doing a, they're doing a great charity event. Um, they they had an employee that is regretfully uh, fallen quite ill. Ooh. And they're doing a, a charity event to raise funds for her. So if you're in the uh, if you're in the area, I highly recommend going out and supporting them. Mm-hmm. It's for a very very good cause, and yep. the food is fantastic. Uh, everything that uh, Evan makes is delicious. Mm-hmm. So this is uh, Corona is uh, Jeff's. That's place. Jeff Borshowitz, and you were right. down there a couple of weeks ago driving the truck on the farm. I love that video. Yeah, that was a cool. It was a. I can't exactly remember what it's called. It's a Stuart Stevenson six-wheel, I Deuce think. and a half. Deuce and a half, yeah. yeah. I have to tell you, it was fun to drive for the day. It would suck if I was in the Army and that was my job every day. <laughs> that was his that, job. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> – uh, I, I don't care what they say about the whole air seat nonsense. That's one rough ride. Now, on the flip side of that, I mean, that thing just goes. Oh, yeah. I mean, we just drove it right through the swamp. Oh, yeah. I mean, and there was no, like, oh, try to pick up speed to get some moat inertia like you normally do when you're four-wheeling. They just plod right along, and it just chews up ground and just keeps rolling. That's that's what Javi did for 24 years. I mean. He drove a truck. Really? Drive two and a half? Yeah. Two and a half, five-ton bus, M113, armored carrier. So, I understand, uh, Steve, you were in the Navy? Uh, yeah, I was enlisted in the Navy. I enlisted when I was 17. What'd you do there? Um, not much. I went around in circles <laughs> in the water for like six years. Yeah. <laughs> it was like a cruise. Yeah. yeah. It was like a cruise that the food sucked on and you basically oh, uh-huh. didn't get any sleep. Yeah, right. it was that cruise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's good stuff. Yeah, I was a Twidget electronics technician. Mm-hmm. I spent six years in. Um, I was stationed on an old Knox class frigate. It was uh, the FF ten fifty six, the USS Canal, it, uh, which I think eventually got sold to the Greek Navy, which then eventually got scrapped for razor blades. At this point, <laughs> I mean, it was uh, it's better than the Italian Navy down at the bottom of the sea. <laughs> Good stuff. So at this point, we usually do the hidden earth reveal, and this is normally, normally we'll yeah, do a cigar delicious. where we cover the band, yeah. and everybody tries to guess what it is, but right. We have but everybody's Some, smoking different cigars. Right. And mm-hmm. like I'm smoking a Todos Las Dias Thick Lonsdale tonight is what I chose to yep. smoke. And I got I'm almost done with Popetta. I'm going to break into this Mikorita firecracker. So how's your firecracker over there? I'm just about done with the firecracker. And, uh, you know, just like you'd expect, construction yeah. is spot on. It's a beautiful, beautiful cigar. Medium bodied, very smooth. Rich, creamy, chocolatey notes, coffee. Is it a blue band or a red band? Red band. Really? I'm surprised it's that smooth. Doesn't seem yeah. old enough to be smoothed out yet. <clears throat> Is the red the new one? The red would have been the ones that we released the, uh, in trucker, 2020, right? yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, the blend has been the same all three years, but the first year I did it, there was no Tricky Traca. The Tricky Traca right. blend of Mike Rita was uh, based on the blend that I did initially for the Firecracker. And then the second year I did it, I had the Tricky Traca with the different color bands, but I just didn't want to introduce any sort of confusion for the consumer, so I just left it with the blue bands. But once we got to the third time, it's kind of like, okay, let me put the right color band on this is what we did. And I think that um, 
That's probably the last of the Mohicans, to be honest with you. Really? Um, yeah, we are. We're not doing another batch of them this year. Just the math doesn't work. You know, it's it's just it's too expensive. And look, when I do a lot of those limited production kind of items, they're not cash grabs. They're much more a marketing thing. Mm. The Firecracker program has a prescribed set price point right, right. that they want it to be at. And part of the problem for a Firecracker, in my opinion, is that it just ends too soon. It's mm-hmm. a three and a half inch by 50 cigar. So it's a relatively short cigar. So I understand why consumers want to pay less for it. But the reality is it doesn't cost that much less to make. Right. I always tell people to think about it like a box. Whether you make a box large or small, it's the same number of cuts. It's the same number of joints. It's the same thing with cigars. It's not like small cigars take less work than large cigars. In fact, sometimes the smaller cigars take more, are right? more because you have to be more technical with them because yeah. you have less space to work with. So they actually require more effort. The only place that there's a delta is in the actual cost of the raw materials, the tobaccos that are in it. Mm-hmm. But the tobaccos are not really always the driving force and the ultimate cost of the cigar. The wrappers can be. That's your number one most expensive component in the cigar. But certain cigars you need to make small formats because um, nobody's managed to figure out yet how to grow a crop where all the wrappers are the length that I want them. So So you get forced to make small. You get forced to make medium lengths. You get forced to make longer cigars to utilize the materials effectively. But the Mickey Rita Firecracker uses Connecticut Broadleaf. Right. And there is no small Connecticut Broadleaf. The, the yeah. small Broadleaf wrapper is a big wrapper. A big right. So there's really no reason to make a small Broadleaf cigar. So you're really taking materials and, yeah, you get multiple cuts out of them so you can, you know, share across the board. But ultimately, there's not really a reason to make a small format. And just the math doesn't work. Look, I've done it three years in a row. And kind of like enough is enough right now. Um, I think what will end up happening is uh, probably somewhere in the future, unless Dave hears this. I think that uh, I'll probably end up making another Firecracker release, but probably with a different brand. Maybe in the future, I'll take that cigar and that blend proportion would work really well in the Gordita size. Yes. Which I personally, it's a 4 by 48 format that I really like. I love that size. I think that... I think that that'll translate, but not in 2021 because I already have too many things on deck now really? that I don't really want to add another size to me, Rita. I'm going to let that s- stay for definitely 2021, and I don't even know about 2022. So Now, are these out there? Chubby unicorns or no? No, chubby unicorns are not for sale anywhere. They're just- these are delicious. The thing with the Chevy Unicorn is it's the same blend as the Unicorn, but the Unicorn is a very complex shape because of that very dramatic taper Mm. that you have coming from the bulge point to the head. And because the materials are so thick, it's a really difficult cigar to manufacture. If that cigar was made out of thinner materials, it would not be so intricate and so difficult. The problem with all Unicorns is no matter how much attention to detail we put into them, there's always going to be a certain amount of failure rate because of how dense those materials are in that shape. Whereas the chubby unicorn is really kind of lazy from a from a, a construction point of view. It's essentially a Pareo with a rounded foot and a rounded head. So you don't end up with those complexities that you end up in a unicorn. 
So it's kind of like a safer way to make the unicorn right. blend and make it smokable. And it's kind of like in just for consumers the, to visualize it. It's kind of it's bigger than a flying pig, but it's not as big as a feral flying pig. It's kind of in the middle of the two. And the thing is, I don't really know if I'll ever sell it because we have so much demand for the unicorn. I don't need to add a chubby unicorn, mm. but it is something nice that I'll use at events or I'll give to people I like or I got kind of, you know, I gave to you guys. I don't know why, <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a, the, the downside with the chubby unicorn, though, is it doesn't smoke as complex as the unicorn. The unicorn starts off very mild. It hits the kind of the shoulder. It gets beyond that. It starts to open up. And because of that severe taper, it just intensifies the more and more you smoke it. Where when you smoke a chubby unicorn, it's a much more linear strength experience because you basically the bulk of the cigar is the same ring gauge for the vast majority mm-hmm. of it. So I think the unicorn is a more interesting smoking experience. I think the chubby unicorn is a safer smoking experience. And I think the chubby unicorn also, it hits you more with the strength from the beginning you don't have that lead in, that right. anticipation. There's there's less foreplay in a chubby unicorn than there is in a unicorn. <laughs> That's a good take. Fair enough. <laughs> okay, then. Is that good or bad? I've <laughs> never said that before. I just came up right. with that, <laughs> man. I'm a genius. <laughs> two, mi- two minutes is two <laughs> minutes. I think yeah. we've just heard Steve's next Facebook post. There you go. <laughs> two minutes, yeah. Two minutes is two minutes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right, so let's move into the wow cigar lounge review. It's good. It is good. It's good. It's fantastic. <laughs> okay, it's fan freaking fantastic. going to complain. You know, something next. we talked about the last time, and I can't get over it, is we've come here a number of times in the past, mm-hmm. long before you took over. Yes, the store is beautiful. It's a great. I store. mean, it's. It just looks great. It does. Uh, you've done a lot of work. Love Thank it. you. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. You know, so oh, about a year ago, you did everything in there. March fifth was my first day as manager here last year. Last year, yeah. And uh, the store had its best year ever. Wow. And yep. We're doing it again. This is so That's far. We're we're set to beat last year. Wow. And uh, we're doing great. I've got great people helping me out too, and Sean and Kurt have been fantastic. You know, helping me make decisions and and have been very supportive of what's going on here. But the lounge here is great. Yeah, you know, it's a it's a it's a good site. You you look at the you, when you drive up to the store, you think, wow, that's it. Looks like this little dinky building, and that's then you I come thought. in yeah. and you come inside and you say, wow, there's actually. Yeah, they, they got a good selection of stuff here. And then Look. you come down into the lounge and you're like, wow, that's a lot bigger than it looks. Yeah, yeah. It's like the TARDIS, you know, it's a lot <laughs> bigger on the inside than it looks that. on the outside. Yeah. And, um, you know, people are, people are finding out about it. And, you know, more and more. Now, is this BYOB, Dan? This is a BYOB establishment. Yeah. Right. Yes. I think because the other twins establishment is one of the nicest cigar bars in America. It really yeah, is. Yeah. It's I got totally a very agree. good. It's not too fancy, but it's fancy enough. It's got a very comfortable feel and vibe, and it's right. a, a much larger thing, but this is a much smaller, more intimate kind of setting. Yeah, yeah. This is more of a, your typical New England cigar shop right. kind of setup, but this is still really big for that. Right. Yet, it's only about a quarter of the 
selection that uh, Twins in Londonderry has. But, uh, you know, the way I look at it is, you know, we now, have we des- have everything that sells at Londonderry. Who decides what ends up actually <laughs> go. Yeah. Who decides what gets merchandised in this store? Because you can only have a quarter of what the other store can have. How do you decide what products come into the store and what products don't come into the store? I have a big hand in that. Mm-hmm. Of course, Kurt and Sean, you know, they have final say over things, of course. It's their business. Right. But, you know, we, we look at, you know, what kind of, what sizes are people buying? What brands are, are people interested in? And, and that has a lot to do with what's on the shelf. And so, you know, like uh, your cigars, for instance, you know, I, I certainly don't have the, if I carried everything that, and all the sizes that you made, half right. my half my store would be all of Steve Saka. But, you know, you look and Which you Which isn't say, good. No, I was going to actually make the comment, Casey's and I are like, yeah, what, what's wrong with that? But actually, it's a bad idea because every consumer, even if you're the guy that smokes Oliva V, mm-hmm. and you know you're going to walk in a store and you know you're going to pick up an Oliva V, mm-hmm. you like to walk by all the other stuff that you didn't pick. Right, every, right. Everybody likes to have options. Everybody likes to have choices, even yep. if they choose the same thing every single yep. time. Right. And I think that uh, – so I actually think sometimes when you go to some shops and they're too heavy on any one particular brand, yeah. it actually doesn't actually help that brand. No, it it no. actually limits the number of customers that potentially yeah. will come into the store because everybody, as consumers, we all like to have choices. Right. Now, the potato chip aisle is out of control right now. I'm tired of that. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're not kidding. Like, literally, yeah. I'm in that aisle now for, what, 20 minutes just mm-hmm. struck with indecision as to what <laughs> flavor of potato chip I want. But, but, but overall, I think having diversity in a cigar store is really important. Yeah, you want that. And you, you want to listen to your customers, too. And, and, you know, they'll come up and say, hey, can you get this? You know, and if if I have six or seven people asking for a particular size or a particular brand, I pay attention to that. Well, I used to know there used to be a brand owner that made some really cigars. And one of his strategies was he had about 10 people that would call that shop about leading up about a month a week before he came in to ask if they carried that particular brand before the sales guy would go in. Wow, you know, I've had like 10 people asking the last month for that cigar. That's pretty amazing. Perfect timing. Yeah, I want to buy that. Yeah. Well, you know, it's you got to, you know, temper that too with your own knowledge of the business and and what works and what sells. So, you know, somebody asked me, you know, hey, you ever going to bring some Tiamos in here? Uh, probably not. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you just, you know, because I, I, I also want a certain type of cigar in here I, and uh, a certain level of value and everything. And, you know, it, it's kind of funny, you know, last year, you know, when Corona hit and everything and, you know, we were, what did we call it? Curbside service only right. for about six weeks. Th- to me, that was a real blessing coming into the store because that gave me about six weeks to literally go through everything. Kurt and I spent some time here and we both kind of decided, you know, uh, one of the decisions we made was no trays. Right. We wanted to get rid of trays and that meant not having as many sizes of things but it looks so much nicer it It makes any brand look better if you have four boxes across a shelf but it's not only that it's also for consumer identification Mm -hmm. they don't recall i mean look you work in a store dan yeah people come in and say well it was about this big and it was kind of dark and it had a red or maybe an orange whatever right that yeah thank you so much so (laughs) when you put everything in trays or in bin style 
it, it makes it very hard for the consumer to connect with what they're actually smoking and yeah. to remember it. Because the reality is people are much better at remembering visual cues exactly. than they are at actually remembering the names of something. And boxes are very visual. A right. lot of work goes into cigar boxes and, you know, the artwork and the designs on them, that's all there for a reason. And to tray everything and lose that, yeah. you, you really miss out on a lot. And so it's funny. We, you know, of course, looked at, you know, what was moving, what wasn't, you know, what's new, what do we want to bring in, what's not. And, you know, we cut down the choices, but we've done a really good job. The numbers were way, way up. So, and But I, Dan, in an average shop, 70% of the inventory is non-turning inventory. Mm -hmm. Typically, in any given cigar store, the vast majority of their sales stem from about 30% of the products that they actually have on yeah. the shelves. So being a curator, as much as I said, yes, you want to have choices, you also can have too many choices. And if nothing is showcased well, that also works against you. So, I mean, the job of – there's a significant difference between being a retailer and being a tobacconist. Mm. A retailer is somebody that can just sell you something and ring you up, where a tobacconist is somebody that's supposed to actually curate the inventory – pick a wide range of products to satisfy a wide range of customers. Right. So when that customer comes in, you can marry them with the proper product. Just the same way as when you buy whiskey, bourbon, you know, when you go to a wine shop, you know, cheese. We all love cheese, but there's certain cheeses I really like that another person doesn't like. And right. that act of curating and then getting the proper thing to the proper person, that's what a tobacconist should actually do, mm -hmm. so not just be a, a, a cash register monkey. we got at least three folks who have never been here before. I'd like to get your reaction to the shop here. Yeah. Me first? Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Say it sucks. Go yeah. off. For no, honestly, I think it's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> um, first time here, but, um, you know, actually, I wish I had a little bit more chance to take a look around but i could definitely see myself coming back here and i really encourage everyone to um come here check it out meet dan and let him take care of you because this place is definitely geared towards serious cigar smokers yeah yeah let's I go think to door-to-door door, man yeah being a satellite shop it gives you the ability like he's saying take stuff that's not moving and chip it back down the street and fill in with things that will go yeah so instead of having to discount it out of here you don't really have to you know, sell your customers something they may not like and then and push it at a low price where you can take that product and bring it back down to the uh, the big shop. Yeah. And just and pick and choose and you can almost, you know, mm. you can be, you can fly under the radar a little bit more because and, you have the second shop. And, you know, one of the interesting things is uh, a cigar size or brand that does not work well at 10 miles down the road may work fantastic you know here and so it's it's funny there there are cigar brands and there are cigar lines in brands that do really well here that twins in londonderry it, they just don't have the the in, there's not the interest but there's typically two reasons for that the number one is look everybody when they come into a store they almost always ask for the person's work in the store's opinion right hey, what do you recommend what is new what is interesting what are you smoking mm -hmm. so if you have someone in the store that's a champion of your products that really likes it somebody comes in and they say hey i like fuller bodied maduro cigars well, is Miquirita one of the brands they mentioned in the three or four brands? Right. Is that one of the ones they show? That's a big driving factor. And then another big driving factor is most places have some regulars. 
And those regulars, uh, they can kind of set the tone too. Yep. They can make, can make a cigar do well or yep, not do right. well in a particular yeah, shop because of their own personal patronage for it. Yep. Because look, we, we all like to extol what we like. And that's, so, that exact thing has happened at Cigars R Us down in Danvers with your line. Correct. He sells the crap out of the whole Dunbar. But, but the reason, what, one of the reasons you may not know how they learned about Dumbarton was a bunch of stupid idiots called the Hacks <laughs> <That's right. laughs> went there. We ca- and we carry our travel humidors that have twenty to thirty cigars. And somebody, you know, one of the Hacks happened to have a bunch of brulees and said, "I have a cigar. I want you to try." And we just give them out, right? And all of a sudden, you know, the owner's saying, "What is this? And where did you get it?" And it just so happens we know the reps. You know, call Brian. I call Levon, and I said, "Hey, you gotta, uh, you gotta, you gotta get get down there. You gotta get this product yeah. out." I did the same thing with and the uh, the Grand Buffalo. He sells a boatload of them. Boatload. So can't keep them. on. Can't keep right. them on the shelf. Can't right. Keep a lot them. of sales are made in the lounge between customers telling well, other customers. Look, I would say the vast majority of our sales are because of that organic word of mouth at this. Point. Oh, totally. I mean, look, it's it's one of the. Like we don't have the ability to market the way other companies do, nor do we have a large sales force that can provide that. So really for us, our best sales force is people that are just happy with the product yeah. and they just share their likes with other people. And that's been really good for us because we've had really nice, steady, organic growth as a result of that. And, and as we all know, I mean, Look, if your friend who you know tells you that, hey, that new Mexican restaurant has killer street tacos, you're likely to go in and try those killer street tacos because you know Joe, right? So uh, that type of recommendation, because what am I going to say? My cigars are the best. My cigars are, you know what I mean? Probably. That's what everybody, but that's that's what everybody's going to say, right? Mm -hmm. Right. That's what every ad is going to say. That's what they're going to say on every podcast. It's, you know. By the way, my scars really are the best. But that's a separate issue. <laughs> but I mean, but I mean, it's, it has much more weight when a consumer who paid—that's right—and who isn't in any way economically compensated, he actually paid real money to go ahead and to recommend something. Well, that that has a, a value that I can't, I can never match. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think well, of that day we were at Twins. We did the podcast outside. We mm-hmm. smoked one of their products. Dave bought a box. I bought a box, and we proceeded to go on the deck. And gave them out to everybody, and yeah. people said, "Who are you?" And I said, we just "We're the cigar fairies. <laughs> We're spreading joy." But you know what? Little people glitter. went down to the, people went to the show. The enemy's coming next. We checked the <laughs> You know, Nick yeah. was like, "Holy crap, wreck. Everybody's buying." You know, some people never heard of it. Mm-hmm. I think most. Like, I think that's one of the things that you know, consumers that really follow the market. They're, they believe that everybody knows who Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust is. They believe that everyone knows who Steve Saka is. But the reality is 97% of the consumers have never heard of me, will never hear of me, right. will never give a f- to hear of me. You know what I mean? It's really – it's much more – I mean, the, the bulk of our market in the beginning was just really people that were really tuned in. Now, I've noticed over the last couple of years – that 
the brand is starting to branch out into what I would consider a more typical consumer. Um, you know, I, I, I call it that transition from being a brand that's pushed to a brand that's pulled. And I'm now seeing more and more of our cigars being pulled. Right. And, and that just comes out of really people recommending them to people that they know yeah. more than anything else, more than anything that I'm actually doing, other than trying to make sure the product is what the product should be. You know, that's my responsibility. So the, the same thing is happening over at the Tobacco Shack in Raleigh. They're carrying your stuff now, and it's selling pretty good over there, and they're adding more to it. So the same phenomenon's happening there. But I got one thing I want to get to. Casey over here. You don't go to cigar lounges very much. No, I've only been to Twins in Londonderry. And, and in now hooks So what do you think of this one? It's apparently nice. <laughs> <laughs> like being in uh-huh. the living room. But I, I like... To drink. I enjoy cocktails, so I uh-huh. like the Londonderry one. I you like got a being... podcast juice there? Yeah, I do, I do. How do yes. you like that? Yes, it's, it's good. Yeah, they make them at yeah. Twins. You can, it, you in can London, say, you can ask you, for you one can and they'll say, make it for you. can we have a podcast juice? Uh-huh. And they will make you that yeah, with hammer and sickle vodka. Uh. <laughs> they, made, they, they took on our line. Nice. <laughs> we don't get anything for it, but we, uh, we don't look for anything either. We're just Which spreading is, that joy. That's yeah, that's, that's it. That's what we do. We just try to keep the right. B&Ms open. Okay. So we got to move along here. So Paige has something she wants to chime in. Yeah. This is just a follow-up to um, what we talked about last week about yep. plume or mold or fungus. Mm-hmm. And had uh, two people write to me uh, regarding that. First question is from Glenn. He writes, and I'm reading it how he wrote it. <laughs> Don't you think if it was mold, the plant people on the cigar farms would know? I'm not sure what a cigar farm so, is. So maybe we should back up for a minute for uh, Steve yeah, and yeah. Do, you, do you want the actual answer on this? Or are we going to... Actually, what do you yeah. think of plume? Yeah. I, I think, look, early in my cigar life, I thought that there was a difference that... Plume always looked different than mold. Uh, mold had a texture. Plume tended to be a much, uh, you know, we always said it was a crystallized oil on the surface of cigar. I'm now starting to doubt that that's even true. You know, there's, there's a gentleman, and I, I really regret the fact that I don't know his name, but he actually is like offering like a $1,000 reward to anyone that can send him a cigar that they can test because he's in some sort of a college program that uh, they can actually analyze. And they've never had a single sample. And of the, like the 10, and they've basically broken them down into 10 classifications. And two of them would have been ones that in the past I would have said, wow, that looks more like plume cool. to me than mold. But those also turned out to be a type of mold. So now here I am 30 years into the future and I'm starting to doubt whether the whole concept of plume bloom actually really exists, to be honest so, with you. So one of our hacks is in this field and is a mold expert. <laughs> <laughs> Owns a company huh. that yeah. deals with mold. And, and, what, and what is your opinion? It's a fungus. Yeah, I, I believe yeah. so, too. I, I, so. I, I need to find this article. I actually bookmarked because it's really quite... It's quite intricate because they actually classify all of the different molds that they have tested on cigars. And I can't speak of it off the top of my head. But I find it really intriguing that someone has gone through this effort on hundreds and hundreds of different cigars. And never once 
has it not turned out to be some type of fungus, yeah. some type of mold, right. which now has me saying, hmm, okay. And I have to admit, I don't have any cigars in my humidor that exhibit the traits of what I would consider bloom or plume. Yeah. And uh, I have thousands of cigars, many of them that are uh, very oily and also have significant age on them. So I'm, yeah. I am now of the belief that it is actually all mold right. uh, of some variety. So what we had talked about is my theory is that it's called um, fungal biomineralization. And basically biomineralization is it's the start of a fungus. So... This is a follow-up question saying that basically, um, how come the people who are growing the tobacco don't know what it is? Well, first off, the people and growing the tobacco aren't seeing the finished good that's sitting in a correct, cigar correct. store that's or right, someone's right. personal humidor right. uh, basically uh, 3,000 miles away. Yeah, I mean, look, is, are, are, we, are we familiar with yeah. black shank? Are we familiar with blue mold? Are we familiar with the molds that we get at the agricultural side? Yes, they absolutely are. Right. Are we familiar with the type of molding that we see in the cigar factory? We absolutely are. But the people that are on that end of the spectrum, that are on that end of the equation, right. they don't ever see these cigars that these consumers are seeing. And the thing is, for many retailers, for many, many years, it was just a very easy out for them to say, well, that's plume, because it helps them sell a product that otherwise wouldn't be sellable. It would be a loss for them. Yeah. So there's kind of a built-in uh, bias that helps their pocketbook to tell a consumer, well, this is plume. Now, let me say this. I don't know, depending on the variety of the mold, I think some are more harmful than others. Absolutely. And I think that there are some that you can literally just wipe the surface of yeah. and it doesn't have the same impact. And again, you're in the business, yeah. so I'm not. Yeah, so, you know, I think what the misconception is when the people see crystals, they're not used to seeing these crystals. and. Uh, the field of uh, mycology, basically, that's the study of fungus. And these. Can we pause for a moment? Yeah. How is she with you guys? She's like yeah. wicked smart compared to all of you combined. How did this happen? Yeah. Why, why, do, why do you hang question. out with I, these I, people? I lost the bet. I lost the bet. So, so actually, I have four college degrees. Yeah. It would shock Yeah, but yeah, yeah it, it does shock me. Yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt, but yeah, I just no. wanted to make so, that very important yeah, point so before I lost it. So, so plants do, in fact produce crystals um, and it's usually from calcium and and calcium is very important when you grow any type of plant because right. it helps with the structure of the plant right so plants that produce the crystals are usually doing it to protect themselves from herbivores okay you know so you're looking at calcium oxalates right uh, carbonates calcium carbonates silicates and then they have pectates now the pectates are have nothing to do with crystals but it's another form of calcium. So you have three different, uh, four different forms of calcium, oxalates, carbonates, silicates, and pectates. All three of those, when they form in clumps, it's called a druse. Mm -hmm. And it's used to protect the plant. So that happens in live plants only. There is no mechanism. There's no message that there's no enzymes being sent within a, a dead plant to say, okay, we need to protect, pr produce these crystals. So in order to produce a crystal from an oil on a dead leaf or a dead plant, you'd have to introduce some type of chemicals. And the type of chemicals that would be needed would be 
not found in nature, even if it was a cellophane wrapper and the sulfates from cellophane or something within cellophane would not cause that type of reaction. So the, there's a there's something within a lab that they they can produce crystals within plants, but there's nothing from a dead plant that is going to produce a crystal. So that's why I'm going with its fungal bio-mineralization. There you go. And it's a form of fungus. And what you'll probably see is it starts off as that crystal, and then it will, in fact, colonize. Have you grass. seen the study I'm mentioning? I haven't, but this I is just sh- my I own I want to share that with you because it's actually yeah. quite interesting reading. Yeah. Um, and particularly with you obviously having capacity and understanding of it, I, I think you'll actually even find it more intriguing. <laughs> It'll be lost on the rest yeah. of us. <laughs> no, but uh, look, I, I, I just know. Listen, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, mean, part, I know. Look, part of, part of the thing when it comes to cigars is, so when it comes to bright tobaccos, those are tobaccos that are used to make cigarettes. That has been extensively studied. You know, the University of North Carolina, they offer a, a great program in the horticulture, the cultivation, the processing of these tobaccos. So these Americans, the Burleys, the Brights, those, there's an awful lot about. But when it comes to what we call black tobaccos, negras, which are the cigar tobaccos, which are the ones that are air cured, um, really, it's pretty much kind of like passed down from person to person. There's never been anything that's ever been written that is ever been taken to that technical level. For example, there's a great book called The Chemistry of Tobacco. You can buy a copy of it for like $280. It's like 300 pages that are dedicated to all of the information about tobacco. But when it comes to black tobacco, it's an appendix that was written by Angel Oliva Sr. 30 years ago. And it's like two and a half pages of his opinion. You know, and that's, that's all that's there. You know, in this entire chemistry yeah. of tobacco, it really is a bit of a, and a part of it's because it's not commercially a very large crop. I mean, hand cultivated Negra air cured tobaccos is a very, very small market segment. And the places that they are all cultivated are typically third world countries because of how labor intensive it is. It's really impractical to grow tobaccos in the United States that we need to make cigars. Um, it's one of the reasons why you find a cigar like the FSGs that are, you know, they use some of the tobaccos from mm. Jeff Borshowitz's farm in Florida. They tend to be significantly pricier because even the filler material costs more. His filler material, just in a comparative scale, about five to six times more than what I would pay for the very best materials coming out of Nicaragua. Wow. You know what I mean? And it's just a byproduct of sure. trying to do a process in the United States that, you know, just isn't possible with the labor force that we have. Okay. So on the table here, I got a nice. Hold on just one second. Oh, go ahead. I just want to. So I did go write ahead. an article on this mm-hmm. and it's on my blog site. Mm-hmm. So if you go to um, blogspot.com and just look for uh, Boston Mold Blog. And the article's there. So it goes through everything I just talked about. And that's the- some serious foreplay. I mm-hmm. highly recommend it to everybody. Yeah, it's, it's yes. good reading. <laughs> Put you right to sleep. But no, actually, in the same article, it's talking about humidor, mold in humidors, what to do if you do have mold in your humidor, um, everything to do with mold in humidors. So it's actually a great article, if I do say so that's, myself. That was a great controversy yeah. for tonight. So. Yeah, that's a good controversy. Yeah. <laughs> that's perfect. <laughs> so I have a hammer sickle vodka bottle here that we've turned into a lamp, and this is for Cindy. Oh, thank you. 
so you can uh, take this home and uh, that would have been great when you were 19. What, where, where, are we, where are we putting that? Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> Stop. I love it. I have an and office. I think that's great. You can put that in there. Yeah, wait, good. it I could end them. up in a young employee's office. Ah, it's possible. Ah. I like free stuff. Yeah, you yeah. <laughs> Pay it forward. Yeah, and I have another one here for the shop because when we do a show in the shop, we drop one of these to the shop. So this is for your. You're awesome. For your office That's awesome. here. It is awesome. You, do you have one at home? Did we give you one? Yes. one right Where'd you get the empty bottles? No. <laughs> they drink them. <laughs> <laughs> we drink them. <laughs> this one over there? There is. Oh, yeah. We, well, we did put one here then. Mm-hmm. A while ago. So oh, what? Oh, okay. Now you got another one. Oh, wow. <laughs> a pair. Of course, we, we know somebody who likes free stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but is that an empty bottle? Or is that a full is, bottle? Or is that a lamp also? This is also a lamp. Yeah. Ah. This is a lamp. I'll take a full bottle. <laughs> I can arrange that. You can't it's plug in the full bottle. No, 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 no. It's also a lamp. Okay. So normally Crack. we do controversy. That we got the controversy in there. That wasn't that, that controversy. That was our controversy from last week. Loom first. That's there, what we huh? talked about last week. Yeah. This is just a follow up. So we don't. Have, we don't. So have if you have anything, I got a short. Wanna, I got a short. One. Go right ahead. Well, don't brag. <laughs> do, I, do I need to? Uh, I can get it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Dave Garofalo on a show. Who's that? He had, yeah, exactly. He had a Dr. Mikosi. Do you know this man? He no. He was the head of the CDC for twenty years, and he spoke about uh, cigars and cancer. And it was amazing. Some of his comments that were made were just absolutely amazing, saying that you will not find a study that exists today yeah. linking. Cigars and cancer. Well, even the initial, even the initial test. uh, I mean, the FDA did a cursory study as part of the FDA regulation, and they had pretty much, even in that cursory study, had concluded that you know consumption of two or less a day and showed no increased markers for cause of cancer. But, but ultimately, it's not really something that. I would never rec- – look, everything comes with risk factors. That's right. It doesn't matter what it is, a cheeseburger, alcohol, a cigar. So to say that cigars are healthy, I don't think I would go that far. But at the same time, I always kind of defer back to the life insurance companies because the life insurance companies only do things by the numbers. Mm-hmm. And the fact that if you're a handmade cigar smoker, many of the life insurance companies treat you as a non-smoker. And they would not do that if their data did not play out that way because everything is done on – and help me if I'm sp- saying this word no. correctly, an actuarial table. Is that the proper pronunciation? Actuarial. Yeah. Who the f- we hire for finance? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But anyways, right. So, I mean, that to me says more than anything because they're basically looking at what are the causes of death and yeah, at what ages factors. and what yeah. are the risk factors yeah. because they're the ones that have to pay out the big dollars Absolutely. when someone croaks. And I mean, and we're not talking about fly-by-night companies. Uh, Prudential, uh, I believe, five cigars or less a day. They treat you as a non-smoker mm-hmm. for Prudential yeah. life yeah. insurance. Yeah. So I, I, I think there's a lot more to be. What we need is we need a real study. The problem is it gets very complex because many people that smoke handmade cigars also have a lot of other bad traits in their lives. They tend to be more sedentary. Absolutely. They tend to drink more alcohol. Yeah. They tend to eat more bad foods. So there's a lot of contributing factors. And it's also a lot of them also 
they smoke a wide variety of smokable products and they don't just smoke handmade cigars, which then makes it even more complex. But there's never been a real good health study that has really analyzed the, uh, the, the, the numbers. That's um, true. It was kind of one of the things that I was kind of hoping part of the FDA regulation was a requirement for them to actually kind of engage in this study. But all they did was with a relatively small study, but even that data proved to be – it didn't give them the results they were hoping for. Let me just say that. So there are studies out there that talk about smoking a cigar and reducing your stress. Absolutely. And being in the medical field, you know, I make a lot of jokes, uh, you know, with my nickname and so forth. But being in the medical field, stress causes a plethora Absolutely. of uh, problems, cardiac, respiratory, and whatever. And Dr. McCosey spoke about that. And he spoke about the articles that do exist about cigars lessening stress levels. Just an incredible, yeah. incredible man. All right. You ready to rock and roll here? We can roll. Okay. Let's do it, Mike. Tying it together, a couple uh, something that's happening in the news behind the scenes that you're probably not seeing yet, but it's going to show up is uh, uh, the shortage of silver that I've always talked about is starting to rear its head behind the scenes. And one of my explanations is since the late 40s, early 50s with the uh, high-tech electronics age, we're talking now 60, 65 years, they've taken micro amounts of silver and used them in macro amounts of application. So they've taken pennies and nickels worth of silver and putting them in billions and billions of electronic pieces of equipment. Now, after you're done with a TV or a VCR or a cell phone or any other electronic, you just tend to throw it out. And because it it costs a dollar to take 10 cents worth of silver out of it, nobody ever has recovered the silver in all this. So what no one's told anyone in the world is that 90% of the above ground silver has been used in electronics, in the electronic industry, and whether it's in batteries or um, the car industry or any electronics, they all use it. And they've been trying to hide the fact that there's a a massive shortage in the world. And it's going to rear its head, and it's going to do a Bitcoin run. And it's going to, when you start to see the silver spike, it's not going to stop. And it's it's just going to rock the world. And the financial, because silver has two different things, it's a monetary product and it's an industrial product, it's going to get used up in the world on two different ways. And already behind the scenes, if you're watching in the markets, they're trying to keep the price down in the financial market. But on the retail, people are paying 10 or $15 over per ounce right now for silver on eBay. And there's all of the above ground supplies have been really swallowed up and it's just one of these days the whole and it could happen at the end of this month when they people start taking delivery on some of the comics you're going to see a major jump and it's just it it's just watch it all fly it's coming it's coming and when it starts moving it's not going to stop for those of us that have silver that's right and your teeth (laughs) and there's there's people who i know this sounds crazy but there's people out there predicting that silver is going to pass and be worth more than gold in some future date. That you're going to be able to trade an ounce of silver for an ounce of gold. 
which is an amazing, amazing number. So if it ever comes to pass, we'll watch so it do you use do you use anything in your bands? Some old gold dust or something? Um, yeah, we use... Um, so we have most of our bands other than Umagog, Popetta, the silk screen rings that we use on the Western Osaka, but all the primary core brands mm-hmm. are actually printed in the Netherlands. And because the Netherlands can use actual real gold powder and they can use real sterling silver powder. And the reason why they have the capacity to do that is because when they're using those materials, it creates a it creates an off product that is highly toxic. So over the years, as there have been new environmental uh, standards, they've been able to upgrade their equipment. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the United States, to my knowledge, there's only one printer in the United States that does it. And it's actually Hallmark owns it. And they use it for their very high-end card product. So I personally like using true silver and true gold powder. And granted, it's minute quantities. But it tends to, over time, uh, the band, it has a richer, deeper look. And it also ends up taking on that typical patina that you see in any true metal. It'll, mm-hmm. it'll end up actually aging right along with a cigar. So I've, I've always enjoyed it. I probably put more focus on the bands than I put on the boxes because the boxes are there, but you, you hold the cigar in your hand for an hour to two hours and, you know, you stare at it. And, I mean, there's no reason why it can't be really aesthetically pleasing because the truth is making ugly bands cost about the same as making pretty bands. So... Why not make it pretty? Mm-hmm. Is kind of my attitude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they use yeah. micro amount, real, real small. Yeah, amount it's very, very small. Yeah. So it's full circle. That's it. It touches everywhere. It's, it'll touch yeah, everywhere. So everybody in should industry. be saving all their Dunbarton tobacco and trust bands because someday <laughs> you're <laughs> going to be rich. <laughs> you're going to be rich. <laughs> and save the whole cigar. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> And then it's time for the cigar recap here. Anybody want to comment on their cigar? This is outrageous. Yeah, I had the delicious. chubby unicorn. It's got a lot of notes of pineapple and vodka. <laughs> 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 a little bit of ice. I just uh, want to yeah. say my cigar last week was out. Damn. Yeah, no, listen. After I dipped the it in the Sambuca. Who <laughs> <laughs> smoked last week? I don't know, but it was strong as I dipped it, and it got a lot better. <laughs> oh, it was the Timeless. Yeah, the, yeah. yeah, yeah. The, the Timeless was strong. Yeah. I never thought of that as it a strong the, brand. It was the Pan America? Yeah, yeah. Pan, Pan, Pan America. America. Okay. Yeah. It's right. on the stronger side. Yeah. Anybody else would comment on their stick? Very I like it. Yeah. I like it. This thing's built like a tank. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. You, like, got, you got the chubby? Yeah, the chubby. Yeah. So do I. Really good smoke. Still burning good. Amazing yeah. smoke. So what's the story behind the blue? Because they're selling everywhere and they're selling fast. Um, well, well, part of that's the limited quantity of them. I mean, the thing with the blue, the blue is a slightly tweaked variation of the core Sober Mesa Brulee yeah. blend. It's a touch, touch stronger, but I don't know whether the consumer gets that because they're aged a full year. Mm-hmm. And it's really that one year aging that really is slowing down the flow of them because, you know, any cigar that's on the shelf, if you if you flip over any of our boxes other than Umbagog bundles, they have a date stamp on the bottom. 
And that date stamp represents what the youngest cigar in the box could potentially be. Because you have to understand, when the cigars hit the color sorting table, when we're doing that final quality control, you're breaking the half wheels apart, we end up losing what particular cigar came from which table, which Ponchero, which Rolera, and the exact date. So when we decide what date stamp goes on the box, if that day the youngest bundle was this, that becomes the date stamp that goes on all the boxes that are packed that day. Mm -hmm. But in reality, typically most of the cigars that are in the boxes are typically two to three months older than what the date stamp even represents. So the dilemma with Sober Mesa Blue is since they have a full year in the cool rooms, uh, Esperates is a fancy way of saying that, it just slows down everything. And so, and I, and I just had this conversation with a retailer. He's like, well, why don't you just make 8,000 boxes of Brulee now? So a year from now, there'll be like 8,000 boxes that you can sell all simultaneously. And I'm like, yeah, well, it's hot now and it's selling great now, but, but then that doesn't mean a year from now it's going to be selling right. great. And, yeah. You know, and then what happens when I have 8,000 boxes of, uh, you know, uh, Sober Mesa brulees that are $15 in a Lonsdale size with a baby blue band on it? Right. You know what I mean? Are you going to stroke me the check to cover what my money is into that product? So I have to be judicious about it. I can't. We're making it steadily. We're making more of it. There's more of it aging. Um, but in reality, it's always going to be limited because of that one year, because it's, it's not like, it's not like making more Mickey Rita Ancho Largos. That's mm -hmm. a Toro. You know what I mean? When you're making a blue, you're kind of making a cigar that's really meant for a very, you're not your typical consumer is buying a $15 vintage age cigar with a baby blue band on it. That's a Lonsdale. That's just not it. Right. And even in the segment that, you know, smokes uh, <laughs> Connecticut Shade Mild cigars uh, as uh, – as Why do they call you Pastor Padron instead of Pastor Dan? Do you like getting a commission from Padron? <laughs> All right. He's a 20 years. Well, you were we talk, we talk, well, we, we talked about this last week on the uh, – Okay, skip um, it. You can tell me after we get off the air. Yeah. But what I was going to say to Dan was he'll tell you that – Probably 80 to 85% of his total sales in his store are pretty much between Robustos, Toros, and some sort of 60 ring gauge large yep. format. Literally, all the other sizes, the Lonsdales, the Coronas, the Perfectos, the Torpedoes, they literally they add up to 10, 15% sales in almost all stores. You can make three sizes, and you really cover 85% of the demand. Yep. So when you make a cigar – that is a Figurado, it's a limited market. When you make particularly a cigar like a Lonsdale, which, yeah, in 1960 was a wonderfully popular format, it's really a format that's kind of fallen out of favor. Okay. You know what I mean? So you have a very limited customer that's going to potentially buy that style of cigar. So you have to be judicious. If you make too many of something, then what do you do with them? Then you end up having to discount them and lose money making them? What's the point in that? Mm -hmm. What I would say to people is there's no reason to overpay for blues to buy them on the secondary flippers market because we are making more every month and every single month we are shipping them and we just aren't we aren't catching up but I'm making more and mm -hmm. eventually it'll get balanced out and I'll figure it out. It's the same thing originally with Umbagogs. Umbagogs, one of our least expensive products, used to be incredibly difficult to find. Yep. But over time, 
as we make more Mikeritas, I have more wrappers to make Umbagogs, and we start to get a better feel for the numbers and the flow yeah. through. And that supply, even though it's still back order for a lot of our retailers, they're getting a more steady supply. Whereas now I know how many Sobra Mesas, the classic original Sobra Mesa, we need to make. But even then, we still go through spurts where something slows down, and then all of a sudden, for a two, three-month period, it sells really quick, much quicker than what the previous six-month trend was. So it's it's always a bit of a balancing, guessing game, you know, trying to figure out what to make, what not to make. But the goal for me is not to intentionally limit anything because I'm greedy and I want everybody's money. And if they want to buy cigars, that's my job is to make cigars for them to buy. Mm-hmm. But also I have to be pragmatic about it because for me – the only limitation is can I make it consistent? If I can't make it consistent, then I have to scale it back. Um, if I can't make it the same quality, I can't make it the same smoking experience, I can't make it consistently, then I have no choice to dial back. But if I have the materials and there's demand, well, it's my job to get weeds rolled into a tube to end up letting the customers have it available for them to purchase. Yeah, It's kind of like the Lancero. Kind of like the Lancero, mm-hmm. right. I mean... I like Lanceros. Yeah, but you're a freak. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, I mean, like the. Money. I will say that the Now Leave Me Hell Alone Lancero may actually be the best selling Lancero in the last 20 years. I mean, I've been down this Lancero train so many times. <laughs> yeah. the, the thing is, the people that like Lanceros are loud and obnoxious about them, but they don't ultimately really buy that many of them. Yeah. There's so few consumers that do buy them. Famous words of Dave Garofalo, not only do you talk the talk, but you walk the walk. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, you know, but we have, we, we, I don't know where we are exactly, but I, I think we're probably approaching, since the start of Now Leave Me the Hell Alone, we're probably approaching seven to 8,000 boxes of those Lanceros, wow. which is crazy because most Lancero productions are 500 boxes if you're lucky, yeah. and nobody ever buys that ever again. It kinda, mm-hmm. It's kind of the way it goes. I mean, I, I know another very another small craft cigar maker, they made 1,000 boxes of a Lancero, and they were really super hot, and it took them almost a year to sell those 1,000 boxes out to to, to the public. So I'm really surprised at the success of the Now Leave Me the Hell Alone. But part of it's probably also because I say Lancero suck, which then makes people go, well, let me try the cigar he says sucks. Right. <laughs> and it's not that the Lancero sucks itself. It's good. But the reality is Lancero's is a genre suck. You know, that's the dilemma. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> okay. I think it's time to wrap this up. Can we add this to the controversy section? <laughs> right? Yeah, I think it's much more interesting than Silver Bowl, right? <laughs> we, we all know silver's going to cost more. <laughs> yeah, but anything that's out of stock, any scarcity raises price. Right, raises scarcity. Demand. Right. The thing is, is it a false scarcity or is it a real scarcity? You know what yeah. I mean? And yeah. false they scarcity. False scarcity wears thin. I only have one product that's intentionally limited, and that is the unicorn. It's just because I just don't want to make a bunch more unicorns. Yeah. It just It's just not worth the effort for the payday. But when it comes to every other thing that we make, it's really just me trying to get the balance and the flow correct. I mean, ultimately, I want to sell more cigars. I want to pay my people more. 
I want to someday, you know, buy that golden toilet, you know, <laughs> you know, whatever. Right. But I mean, so it, it is, it's not, but it's, in the end, it's all. It's all the same, man. It doesn't matter where it right, came but from. But you don't want a warehouse full of cigars that you can't sell. So that's the end result. And look, we all see it in every store. I mean, I saw the treasure chest when I came through. I kind of dug through. It's a box Looking of cigars they have her in Twins, <laughs> where it's basically all the dead brands that yeah, nobody's right. willing to buy. Yep. What are these Chopramates doing in here? I look. None of my cigars are in it. But, you know, I, but yeah, but I mean, you look in there, and, and I think it's one of the things that most consumers don't realize is in an average year, there are typically somewhere between 300 and 350 product introductions to the marketplace. I would challenge any of you to name me 20 from 2019. I mean, that's how quick they come and go. Wow. Yep. That you just don't even realize how fast these brands die. And it's one of the things that I think has really had a, been a big part of our success is, uh, you know, you know, this year on the Half Wheel Consensus, I mean, Sobra Mesa was number four, I think. And that's the fifth year in a row it's appeared in the top 25. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Sin Compromiso, three years in a row. Nikki Rita has been on the list four years in a row. Um, Tricky Traka this year yeah. got number one. Yeah. And it's, it. that, it's that consistency, you know, where it doesn't just come and go away, but it actually not only keeps the consumer that likes it, but other consumers end up ultimately adopting it. And that is ultimately the most important indicator for the potential of where the company could go in the fact that you're not just churning and burning brands. And I can and I can say to the people that are listening to this podcast, 2021 is going to be a cyclone of new brands. There will be more new brands in 2021 that I think have probably been since the cigar boom of the wow. mid-90s. And you can already see it. I mean, if you pay any attention to the blogs, I mean, you're looking at all the new product releases, and we're only in what March? March. Yeah. It, it looks like it looks like we're in the month before the annual trade show. Right. Yeah. The number of things that are being talked about is being released now in March. I think this is going to be a crazy year, and I know the large companies they're already telling their big box retailers, "Be prepared. We have eight new things. We have nine new things. We have seven new things." And um, I think that it's, and look, the retailers are going to have to make a choice because they can't bring in all nice. that new stuff. Yeah. And the reality is most of that new stuff isn't really all that worthy. It's just new. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? But it sucks up a lot of dollars because we all like to try new. I, I like to try new. Yeah. But I do find that I think that over time, consumers start to separate the wheat from the chaff. And eventually, the quality products tend to end up eventually rising and becoming what is a mainstay in a humidor. And, and, that, and that's how companies are ultimately successful. Okay. I have a quick question. Yep. Go ahead. Before we roll out. Yeah. A lot of us have experienced construction issues on cigars, like I think on yeah. an average lately, you right. know, more so. Assuming it has something to do with COVID, something to do with that, or, you know. It's just a lack of attention to detail, poor standards and practices, not really, you know, just them not doing their job. It just seems more prominent recently for some reason. Yeah, well, obviously, I think you have less supervision that occurred during the COVID year. You also had dramatic fluctuations at the factory levels because – even though 2019 was a very good year for the retailer and for the consumer, sales were strong. Manufacturers were overproducing. 
So they were already scaling down production at the tail end of 2019. And then when COVID hit in March and April, sales just pretty much ceased from the manufacturer to the retailer, which then made you really, really slow down your production. And then because, again, because of COVID, the number of cigars being consumed dramatically shot up because people that were trying to squeeze two or three in during the week now were working from home and could squeeze two or three in every single day. Uh, in between their Zoom calls and whatever they were doing, which then forced the factories to ramp up dramatically very quickly. So I think the thing about cigars is the more steady you do it, the better the product is. So like one of the things that like we do is if you make Sober Mesa Brulee Toros, that's all you do. You come to work every day and you make one cigar in one size, the same blend, you never, ever change, never bounce them around. And, you know, even though that sounds boring to us sitting here in the circle, that's actually what most of them would prefer to do because it's really kind of a mindless activity. Yeah, when you're learning how to do it, you focus on it. It's kind of like, remember when you were a kid and you're learning to drive and you had your hands at 10 and right, 2 right, and you're right. paying attention to the line, you're paying attention to the speedometer, you're checking the mirror. You're like really focused on the act of driving. But you don't drive a car that way today. You just drive. And that's the same thing for them. They get into a groove. They get into a pattern. They know what I mean? And for them, they don't really want to focus or concentrate because they can focus and concentrate, but it's really hard. You know what I mean? So the more you can keep a pair or a single Torcedor manufacturing the identical blend and the identical size every day – the more consistent it is. And that's also one of the challenges. Because of that, the average pair is going to produce somewhere around approximately 200 boxes of a particular size every single month of production. So what that means is if I want to start adding more of a certain skew, I have to be willing to add 200 more boxes worth of that skew, okay? Not where, oh, I just need another 25, another 50. Now, on the office end, they don't see it that way. Because they don't see what's going into the cool rooms. They just see what's coming up on the import documents. So we may import them in unsteady numbers depending on the season because we sell less cigars in the winter than we sell in the summer months. But during the winter months, they aren't making any less product down there. It's just spending more time in the cool rooms to prepare for when those orders will become larger during the summer and the fall period of the year. And keeping that steady state really has a lot to do with the quality and the consistency of the construction of the product. You got yourself one of a job. <laughs> no complaints. No. I don't even yeah. know if that's a compliment or it's a <laughs> how, how, am I supposed to, how am I supposed to react to that? What does that mean? <laughs> okay. Perfect. Segway into, into getting out. <laughs> Alive. Okay. <laughs> Thanks to the panel. We got... Oh, I got to get over here. Uh-oh. I'm in trouble now. When we need Dom. Edit it. Yeah. yeah. Usually my Dom son does, sound, does all this he stuff. He has it all. One, two, three. Okay. We got... I'll cue it up. We got Nurse Rick. Where is Nurse Rick? He's right there. He's right yeah, there. I'm like, what are we talking He's about? He's right there. Okay. He's Nurse right there. Nurse Rick is here. This town needs an enema. Hey, Enema Boy is up here in Twins, and again, thank you so much. Pathogen Page. Yeah. Here I go. 
Yeah, I'd like to thank everyone. Thanks, uh, Dan, for having us here tonight. Um, and obviously our special guests. Wonderful, wonderful podcast. Um, learned a lot tonight. Had a lot of fun. And uh, keep supporting you. Keep supporting you. Because after this, it just reinforces everything about what you do and well, what you, you make. I genuinely appreciate it. Yeah. It's from the smart person. Yeah. yeah. The smart one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was perfect. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Let's go over to Master Padron. All right, Stewie. What's the first rule of Fight Club? G-string underwear. No. 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 <laughs> but uh, this is Pastor Padron thanking everybody for listening. If you want to come down to Twins at Hooks It, be glad to help you out. They can hook you up. Mm-hmm. So how much do I have to pay to become like like Pastor Sincompromiso? What, is, <laughs> what, is, what does that gig cost me? <laughs> uh <laughs> We got to talk to the we'll, Reverend. We'll talk. Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah, talk. Yeah, we'll, yeah, talk. Talk. we'll talk. talk after the show. <laughs> then we get the Reverend. Hallelujah. 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 I didn't mention the went broad once. <laughs> <laughs> well, folks, I hope you enjoyed the show. I'd like to thank our guests. I'd like to thank uh, Pastor Dan for uh, inviting us over to have the podcast. And I uh, hope you have a good week next week, and God bless each and every one of you. All right. We got the uh, door-to-door door sales. Oh, you know what? It's uh, right here. Many days in my ears and All right. Thanks for the wealth of information. A lot of stuff to uh, consider and think about. <laughs> and there you have he it. He will not sleep tonight. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Cindy, a woman of few words tonight. Uh, I can't get word in edgewise. Well, <laughs> you know. He warned okay. me. Miss her, kiss her, love her. Here's your opportunity. Floor is yours. <gasps> Thanks for listening tonight. Uh, keep on smoking. Stay, uh, stay, stay lit. Okay, and I don't have a drop for. <laughs> Although I can probably find one. It's but anyway, okay. <laughs> we got the man himself sitting right there smoking cigars. They call him Sasquatch. That is just simply dreadful. <laughs> <laughs> That's really awful. You should, you I, like I to apologize hear? to your listening oh, audience for that little <laughs> bit of music. Would you like to hear what we did for Mr. Jonathan? <laughs> oh, no, let's, no. We can no. save that. But uh, <laughs> No. I, I, I do want to no. say uh, thank you for inviting me on. I... I no, I didn't really enjoy it that much, but I'm glad to have been here. And uh, maybe, hopefully, I'll come back sometime. Hope so. <laughs> Do you get to spend much yeah, time here? I mean, this is just down the street from the shop. You know, your office. it's actually quite shameful how little time I spend in cigar stores. Um, I don't spend a lot of time. In fact, uh, 
I, I don't even want to say how few times I visited this store, given how close it is, because it really is quite embarrassing. The only thing I can say to my friend Dan is, I'm not giving my love elsewhere. Is, I'm giving. Yes, I, I'm celibate. I, I don't. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. I, I'm, 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 I'm not like hanging over at the other shop, you know. <laughs> well, hopefully this summer we can get you on the boat. And we'll do a little fishing. I like that idea. And, and some cigars and. Uh, we have a great time. Okay. Your 300 pound test. <laughs> My 300 pound test. 300 pound test. I mean, 30 pound <laughs> test. Even 30 is a lot. <laughs> okay, we got something for Casey right here. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm okay with that. <laughs> you okay with that one? <laughs> there comes the EEOC complaint. Thank you. <laughs> hey, we're just a bunch of hacks. <laughs> okay. Oh, wow. This is your humble announcer producer, Cigar Hack Dave. To the man! The man! The legend! Thanks to the listeners, you made it through another one. Our social media tag is Cigar Hacks. All over the usual channels, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, our website, uh-huh. CigarHacks.com. And OnlyFans. Steve Sacker on the pole. <laughs> wow. Send us an email, cigarhacks at cigarhacks.com. See you next time on the Cigar Hacks. Remember, we're just a bunch of hacks. Well, most of us anyway. Yes. <laughs> we do not Paige. She's the smart one. <laughs> smart people. Yeah. We have a few smart people here. Okay. <laughs> Remember, we're just a bunch of hacks talking cigars, etc. Thanks for coming. <laughs>